0: Have Colin and Samir lost their creative edge? Are they just playing it safe now? That's a question we're going to answer today on Creator Support. We're also going to be reacting to one of Mr. Beast's most vulnerable tweets.
1: We're going to be talking about Twitter verification, whether you should buy it or not. And we're going to be starting with a question from our friend
0: Tommy Innit. Welcome to Creator Support, the show where we answer your questions about the business of being a creator. If you guys make it to the deep end, let us know. All right, so this episode, call yep. we're going to get into some tough questions for us. Some confrontational questions from That's the audience. That's what I've been told. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's going to be fun. We're in the hot seat. But why don't we start off a little lighter? I would love that. Okay. So we'll start off with our friend Tommy it, oh. who submitted a video question.
1: Great. Hey, nerds. It's me, Tom. And I'm wondering why aren't other big YouTubers, like, why are they so hesitant to do shorts? You know? They have such a huge byproduct to them and I get that they're not necessarily always fun, but because of the kind of ways to get retention. There's so many ways around that to make them so much more fun. Anyway, I just don't get why everyone's not dropping onto them because in my five years of YouTube, I've never seen
0: sub-growth like this. Ever. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right, a lot to absorb there. Yeah, a lot to unpack. Yep, from
1: Tom. Okay, I'm going to start at him saying, I get that they're not that fun. Mm. I think that's something that people may overlook when it comes to long form creators who feel like they have to make shorts or short form, even for you and I, Mm -hmm. I'm still trying to figure out how I want to tell a story in 30 to 60 seconds, the ways that I enjoy it. Mm. We're finding ways that are like interesting and fun, but I think it's a process for long form creators. It may not come naturally. yeah. And so that's part of the reason that you're seeing big creators not post shorts because they're just not
0: used to it. It's not their main expertise. If they're very long form Mm. YouTube centric. I would say for me personally, and maybe for us, but when we first started making shorts, fun was at like all time high with shorts. I couldn't believe it. It was liberating. Mm -hmm. It was like, Oh my God, we figured it out. You know, like, this is so fun. Um, we're able to have an idea, shoot it with our phone, put it out. Like for guys who are making hour long podcast episodes, putting out a 60-second video shot from your phone was like really refreshing and very Mm -hmm. fun. And that rode all the way to like the excitement of things working, like the validation of millions and millions of views. I mean, we did over a hundred million views in shorts last year. Like that was very exciting. And that led us to crazy sub growth. So I understand what he's saying. It's like, there's never been a time where you can- make this many videos and the byproduct is millions of views or hundreds of millions of views and millions of subs. Because this may not last. So he's saying, saying,
1: why not take advantage now? Yeah, why are creators not doing it? And get as many subscribers as you possibly can
0: while shorts are being prioritized Mm -hmm. and while this is even possible. And what I would say is as I reflect on like, there was a time where we were doing three a week. That was our goal, three shorts a week. And for me, what ended up happening was like, there was probably a mix of our conversation with Hassan Minhaj, who, is, who really talked about shorts as being this, like, we're just feeding into this, you know, YouTube mm-hmm. algorithm in this world of like, just whatever YouTube wants, we'll do. Um, but also starting to be a little bit more formulaic with our shorts kind of took some of the the innovation out of it and a little bit of just like, I know this is going to work. I'm doing it only because it's going to work.
1: if I can just get 98% retention by
0: making it loop and keeping it short. And then it was like the outcome has to be, you know, five to 10 million views and it has to be 30,000 subscribers added. And and the outcome for me became less fun. The outcome was just like so performance-based that it wasn't liberating anymore. It was again, one of those like, constraining things that happens on YouTube where it's, mm-hmm. I have this fun idea. Let's try it. Whoa, it's working. Now it has to work like this or it has to one up itself constantly. Um, and then everyone's doing it. You know, you go in the shorts feed and you're like, does my content look exactly like everyone else's is everyone, is everyone doing the same thing now? Yeah. And it becomes less fun.
1: I think if long form creators and I'll throw ourselves into this grouping truly believed that the subscribers that were added via shorts would significantly affect the performance of our long-form videos. Yeah. Then we would be posting more shorts. And that may be the case. Like adding yeah. subscribers from shorts may affect long-form videos positively. Mm-hmm. Because from our understanding, they're like a beacon of light. They're yeah, more yeah. data points for people, yeah. for YouTube to understand who might be interested in your content.
0: Yeah. I would say there's probably a, there was probably a correlation of our long-form viewership and our short-form viewership last year. Yeah. So, But I don't
1: know— if creators at scale, especially bigger ones, believe that, uh, so much so that they will prioritize shorts to grow subscribers right now. Right. Personally, I have a little bit of a fear that if we were to grow this year to 10 million subscribers, there's a reality where we could put out a video, a long-form video that doesn't do well, Mm. and it sits sub 100,000, maybe, who knows, like you have like 30,000 views, but you have 10 million subscribers. Right. I worry the optics of that are, oh, wow, this channel has really lost their this, way. Yeah. And so that's why right now I'm not super interested in creating shorts that kind of game the system yeah, to yeah, grow yeah. subscribers. I'm interested in posting shorts that are mm-hmm. I think are valuable, are interesting, mm. but not necessarily ones that are like, subscribes, you can help us hit 10 million subscribers right, or right, subscribe right. so that we can pass this YouTuber or something like
0: yeah, that. Yeah, I think the point, you know, like something I've talked to Tommy about before is like the, still today, the social currency of a subscriber count is high. Like if we had 10 million subscribers, we're in a different category, even if our viewership is like in the 100, 200,000 range, which is kind of strange because I think the metric should be, you know, a community metric of like, what are your engagements, views per video, comments per video, are people actually engaging with your content? Are you you fostering community? Um, But I do think that the subscriber number still carries a lot of social weight. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is interesting to think about the concept that we could – we could figure out a way to get to 5 million subscribers this year with shorts. But I agree that that doesn't feel like the optics are one thing, which is very specific to YouTube. I think that optics matter so much. Cause again, everything is a public view count, public view count, public subscriber count. But also I'm just at a point where it's like shorts that I'm interested in making I'll make, but I don't want to have a schedule right now of like, we have to make three shorts per week. We made a short last week that was very fun to make, mm-hmm. that we wanted to make for weeks. We kept talking about it. We are like, we want to talk about AI tools that we're using. And that doesn't really, you know, we could talk about it here on creator support. We could, you know, maybe make a long form video about it, but it feels really well fit for a short. Yeah. And, and we, we had did. been filming our experience with our yeah. phones. Yeah. So we had footage of us trying out AI tools. Mm-hmm. What's so interesting about now to add to what Tommy's talking about is if you're making short form vertical content, it's not just YouTube Shorts. That can be posted across TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube Shorts, Instagram, Yep. right? And maybe Snapchat, Snapchat Facebook, yeah, whatever. just everywhere. Yeah. It can be posted everywhere. And that's exactly what we did with this short about AI. What's fascinating is on Instagram, It has nearly 5 million views and has gained us 55,000 followers on Instagram. Which is crazy. We've never really hit Instagram like that
1: before. We never marketed our Instagram account. We actually
0: didn't even post our shorts to Instagram before. No. Yeah. We just never really thought about it. Yeah. Twitter, it did pretty well. TikTok, it has over a million views. And YouTube Shorts, it has 130,000 views. It's actually the worst performing on YouTube Shorts because the retention is in the you know 60% range rather mm-hmm. than other shorts that we've made that have hit the 30 million view range are in like the 90 plus percent retention yeah. range. And I think some of the stuff that we kept in there um, actually wasn't built for YouTube because YouTube is really intense when it comes to give me the information and don't give me much else. Yeah, we kept in some loose reactions yeah. to the AI tools
1: that we were using. Yeah. And maybe that didn't, help us on YouTube. I think
0: that that works on TikTok and Instagram because it kind of builds the world out a little bit more. Yeah. But on YouTube, and I've noticed this, that even Mr. Beast, when he posted TikTok, like he posted one about the fighter jets, uh, which was crazy. Like it was so insane to like think that we're at this world where a creator can be like, I have these two fighter jets, and I'm gonna see which one of these guys passes out first. Uh, it's like a wild yeah. concept, and that that creator wouldn't think to make that a long form. That's video. not a first video. long form. It's a crazy concept. It's a crazy but concept. But also like,
1: yeah. yeah, I'll just make it. You know, fifty seconds. It's just for a
0: short, yeah. yeah. But it was a different version on TikTok than it was on mm. YouTube Shorts, which was so interesting to me. On YouTube Shorts, it was much more condensed.
1: I think YouTube Shorts right now is pure entertainment, and you don't really know what you're going to get. Mm. Whereas on Instagram, there's this shareable nature to it. Like, I think we have over a hundred thousand shares. Yeah, that's right. And almost mm. two hundred thousand saves. Right. So a lot of people are watching this reel and then sharing it with a friend on the app. Mm. You. I don't think anyone's really sharing shorts sure. to another channel, yeah. right? To another person via mm. the YouTube app on yeah. Instagram. There's this huge culture of DMS. Yeah. Right. True. So it's very shareable on it's YouTube. It's like, I'm watching this in a silo just for my own entertainment. I'm not taking it anywhere else. It's really interesting to think about like the
0: DMS as the space on Instagram that you're trying to get to. Mm-hmm. That's super interesting.
1: So well, we d- always, honestly, we well, always think about like every piece of video that we make, mm-hmm. we think, could this start a conversation? Totally. But we don't always think about how is the conversation taking yeah, take place? where's that environment? Though? Where's I'm the environment? Because yeah. on YouTube, yeah. someone has to kind of take it, share it on Twitter, yeah. text it to someone. Mm. But on Instagram, it all happens right there. Oh, that's interesting. So maybe like point yeah. Instagram.
0: Oh, wow. So back to Tommy's question, like why are more creators not taking advantage of this moment? I think- it's a a whole different format, a whole different creative format. If you're focused on making really good long form videos, you kind of need someone thinking about shorts. And some of the best creators uh, at shorts have a like head of shorts or someone Mm -hmm. who's, you know, like Ali Abdal. we just posted this in our newsletter. He's hiring two shorts editors right now. Um, Like the creators who are doing this well are building out specific teams for short form vertical content. Creators who, you know, aren't posting a ton of them probably don't have a team and are like, when they get excited about one, they'll post it. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I think is going on. And I think that there's some also creators who are just like long form is what I do. You know, it's a totally, it's, it's almost like when I open up YouTube, YouTube shorts and YouTube long form feel like two different apps to me, Mm -hmm. although they feel very interconnected. Now, when you like, I showed you this, when you watch a YouTube long form video on the right side, there's a shorts tab that you can get into as a recommended and then you're just in a shorts feed. But then once you get to the shorts feed, you can't go back to long. It's not easy to get back to long. Yeah, super interesting. So before we move on to the next question,
1: I don't want to miss this. Mm. Do you think it has anything to do with money? Like, are we missing that aspect of Oh yeah.
0: Monetization. For sure. I just want to say, I don't want to miss that in this conversation. Yeah, yeah, that's that's an important point. Right. Like, I, I think the reward for shorts, like right now, people maybe aren't viewing the, But yeah, I mean, like if you gain a bunch of subscribers, there is an opportunity for more monetization. I guess what people aren't sure about yet is if it converts to long form viewership. Yeah. Because long format is where you make money on YouTube. Yeah. That's where you make money.
1: It's like, would Snap creators be posting Snap stories right now if they were not getting paid?
0: Yeah. The narrative has to be that you can make a lot of money and then people would, might do it. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I think I'm more energized right now about YouTube shorts than I've been in a while. And a lot of that is also because of the cross-platform nature of short-form vertical content. So you can take it everywhere. That, that we can post it everywhere. And like, I almost feel this level of excitement. Uh, we have it with our podcast, with this show, you know, or with our main channel podcast, where it's like, it's posted on Spotify and YouTube, which mm-hmm. is really exciting because you can be like, oh, it underperformed here, but it overperformed here. And I've never experienced it where we post it across five platforms and we're like, whoa, it overperformed here, underperformed yeah. here, overperformed here. Like that's that's a really yeah. interesting new thing for us. I think that speaks to the
1: opportunity for cultural relevance. Yeah. And I think that's another factor that will make creators post short form content. Yeah. Monetization being one, but there's also this opportunity for cultural relevance, which yeah. happens on TikTok, which I think we found with that AI reel on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if creators feel like they're getting tons of cultural relevance from posting a short quite yet. Mm. So I think between monetization, cultural relevance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, does that outweigh the potential upside of high viewership and high subscriber growth? I guess so.
1: Yeah. To some creators. Yeah, Yeah.
0: To some creators it does. And maybe it's because again, for us as creators, we might be starting to devalue the subscriber number. We talked about it last week. It's potential that we're like the difference between 11 million and 12 million. Like, does it actually carry that much currency? Yeah. I don't know. So there's your answer, Tom. Hopefully that was good. We kind of went yeah. in a lot of different directions on that. Yeah. Tom, let yeah. us
1: know in the comments what Tom, you, you think. Tom,
0: y- you let us know if we answered that for you. Yeah. Uh, All right, here we go. This is our first one. That's kind of like a uh, one that I read and I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look away from this. Okay. Uh, JM, something helpful. Feels like Colin and Samir are playing it safe. This is a gripe in the subreddit. I was watching the interview with Van Neistat where Colin and Samir mentioned that they're starting to see more success once they switched from creating art to creating media, aka playing it safe by uploading more general appeal content makes me a little sad because I think that's the only way to really succeed on the platform. I do want to validate the boys because I understand they're running a business, but they're only creating to be watched right now, not creating for the sake of creating. What would Naval think? Would love someone who wants more of the filmmaker content back. Mm. Super interesting. Um Yeah, I I you know, I have these feelings sometimes of Wanting to experiment on YouTube uh, and wanting to, you know, do completely new things. But it's something that actually Casey Neistat and Andrew Schultz talked about on, on the episode of flagrant that Casey was on um, that, like what happens when you have something to lose, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and Andrew's talking to Casey about his appetite for risk. And I think um, as creators, you work really hard in the beginning Uh, to build something, and then you have something. If you're lucky enough to get it, you have something. But having something means you can lose something. (laughs) Yeah. And that is drenched in fear. I mean, we
1: experimented a ton when we had nothing to lose. Of
0: course. Uh, Like, what what do you have to lose? And when you
1: and I were the only ones that would benefit or potentially be hurt by what we were putting out. Right. Right now- uh, we have overhead we have an office we mm-hmm. have people who work for us and what we do could potentially risk their jobs yeah our ability to pay for this space yes i do think that that's obviously why it's perceived that we are playing it safe and that of course at times we are
0: playing it safe well well there's also a world where we are right like we 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 don't want to lose some of these things that we have. We yeah. don't want to compromise our ability to cover our expenses. We mm-hmm. don't want to compromise what we've built. And and I- even creatively, you want to be validated. And the easiest way to be validated is to perhaps repeat something that was validated. Yes, of course. Right? Our, yeah, our, as creators and artists, we move in the direction of what works. Yeah. How we know what works is by validation, whether that's through brand deals, like monetary validation, um, audience validation, um, you know, growth validation, like any of that validation, we look at those as signals and we take those and we repeat those. And doing something completely unfamiliar, it, it becomes way higher risk mm-hmm. in your day-to-day. And we tweeted out this graphic that we made around the the single person media company. So basically what we were talking about is like, we, we talked about this in, an, in a past episode. We talked about this a lot. Like a typical company operates like a pyramid with the CEO at the top. If you remove that CEO, you can put it in another CEO, but the functions of the company continue to work. You flip that on its head for a creator run business and you take out the creator and everything falls, right? So everything lies on, on our shoulders, all, you know, the, this, the whole way that this, company works is based on what you and I are doing. And Mr. Beast actually replied to that tweet with a pretty vulnerable response Mm -hmm. um, where he said, yeah, making big budget YouTube content is a huge mental game. That's more intense than people realize. Not only do you have tens of millions of fans and the pressure that brings, but also you have hundreds of people and families that literally depend on you for a job Once you start hiring, you can't just take a break. Everything falls apart when the creator disappears. It's like being an elite level athlete and the CEO of a publicly traded company at the same time. I highly recommend you don't scale your YouTube channel too big unless you have some serious mental toughness. There's a reason that most creators do that and get burnt out and quit. That's a really important response from Jimmy right there. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's like this um, desire right now to grow and grow a company and be an entrepreneur and build a business and hire employees and get an office. But I think everyone has to recognize that that does have a lot of impacts and effects on creativity. Mm-hmm. And it, it's happened to us, you know, for sure. Um, also could be bad for
1: your business. I think
0: for sure. If yeah.
1: Platforms change. If your interests change, you are no longer flexible. And yeah. that's one of the advantages of being a creator is that totally. you start out super flexible.
0: Yeah, I think we're in the business of creativity, not in the business of risk management. And what ends up happening as creators is we sometimes can land in the business of risk management, where mm-hmm. you're evaluating everything based on risk,
1: which is not going to produce the best creative. No, which in turn may hurt the business and may hurt
0: because you're not being creative your ability to like connect yeah. with your audience. Yeah. So the answer to that, the answer to that is like lowering your overhead to the point where you can experiment and fail, because failure becomes super high risk Mm -hmm. for you, right? Like if we spend a week on something and it doesn't pan out, that is very, that costs us a lot. It's now expensive. It's now expensive for us to do that. And that's a problem, right? Yeah. If we invest all of our resources into something for three weeks and it doesn't work. Yeah. That's a big deal for us. Our current solve, at least as we've
1: been talking about it for this issue is to figure out a way to sort of operationalize what would be considered safe videos. Yeah. Which I would consider, I guess, some of our interviews. Yeah, long-form interviews. Long-form interviews, things that have worked in the past, Mm -hmm. but they're also enjoyable, like we like doing them. Yeah. Um, But make the process for those easy so that we can free up time to experiment in between.
0: I mean, I think the last time we really experimented was like heavily. I would say- last year with the Mr. Beast Burger doc, obviously, right? That was yep. like a new format for us. It was an investment, but we kind of knew just based on the subject matter, there was going to be some, there's going to be a positive outcome there, right? Yeah. Like to but, the extent, I don't think I fully understood, but it was so fun to do. And it was a, it was a calculated risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I would say this year, we experimented with our Austin Kleon episode on like a new format and bringing in someone who's not a creator to the show and to the mm-hmm. main channel. And I want to continue pushing the bounds and not playing it safe. Um, but there's also a level that we have to like evaluate and, and base that risk on. And maybe I'm wrong, but, um, yeah, I, I think some of these questions are really good reminders that we're in the business of creativity, you know? And and I think that's so important to recognize like this world, potentially everything that we're doing two years from now could be a hundred percent different. Yeah. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, but you have to build yourself in a way to, to handle that. Um so yeah, not easy. Um, right now, you and I are both doing something that maybe the audience isn't aware of. Does it have to do with our feet? That's right. Okay. We're both wearing the new Marquez Brownlee Adams shoes. I don't know if we're yeah, okay, I gotta lift yeah. my leg. Yeah. That's not easy. If, okay, uh, okay. Oh, How's this? Can you are see? Gonna- Can you see? Okay, great. If you're listening, this is really hard You for can't me. see, but we are both lifting our feet above the table. Um, I just want to say these are the most comfortable shoes I've ever worn. This is not a brand deal. No one is paying me to say that, but uh, these are unbelievably comfortable and shout out to Marquez and Adams for making these. Um, I think what's really cool about this project with Marquez of, of launching his own sneaker, if you guys are unfamiliar with it, is like, His content is all about reviewing products. Creating a product gives him a surface for other people to do the Marquez thing, which is so cool, right? Like you see this and the craving is to like make a review video Mm -hmm. about it. And I think that's such an interesting thing for creators to do, you know? Like, I I just find that to be so interesting. Yeah,
1: I mean, in our merch review videos, that's one of our criteria, right? Yeah. Is the product inherently shareable? Is it easily shareable? Yeah. And in this instance, I think almost anything physical that Marquez puts out is so shareable because people want to replicate Mm -hmm. his format with his
0: product. Yeah. I also love it's it's the M251, which is cool because two minutes and 51 seconds was the uh, time code of his first tech video Mm. on YouTube. That's cool to bring that to, to YouTube. How long are these shoes available? I have, mm, I think only three weeks or three something. Weeks, right? But they're It's not an sol- indefinite
1: amount of time. No, they're sold out though. Which I think is the right move. Yes, This agreed. is not, from my understanding, Marquez launching a shoe company. Yeah. Right? This is yeah, something yeah. that he's passionate about yep. that he wanted to make and have out in the world. Maybe mm-hmm. there will be other versions of this shoe, but mm-hmm. like it's a partnership with Adams. It's not, you know- the MKBHD footwear company.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Which mm-hmm. I which I also like. I think I think that, that's right for him. I mean, yeah. you know, primarily reviews tech and is now reviewing cars. Yeah, if, if he was to do that, he'd have to hire like a head of product development yes. and someone who came from like Nike or Adidas to like actually run a shoe company. You don't mm-hmm. want to do that. Again, like Marquez is someone who fits really well into that world of keeping himself nimble enough to innovate. Yeah. He's launched a studio channel He's launched uh autofocus channel. Yeah. He's launched a podcast channel, a clips channel with the podcast channel. Mm-hmm. His main channel is evolving and he's doing different stuff outside of tech. Now he may be stressed, but he
1: doesn't look stressed no, at all. We, and, and I appreciate that as an audience member. Totally. That, you know, there's so much joy in what he continues to make. Yeah. And that's why he's making.
0: He, he values simplicity in a way that I really admire. Um, we yeah. had coffee with him in Dallas recently and like, I just think Marquez is like the reason he's been around for as long as he's been around is because he has simplified his business. Like think about the opportunities he's had over the years to release like his own custom product. Mm-hmm. But he said no. And we talked about that with him. Like he's, he's like, no, I make videos. Like I'm a video producer yep. and he's kept things very, very simple. I mean, life is complicated enough. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? But, but keep it simple. I, I, he's, a, he's a great example of like, how do you innovate? You keep everything simple. Yeah. Um, okay. Laura Try. She said, question for Colin and Samir. Did you consider putting creator support on your main channel? Do you ever wonder maybe these videos would get more views if they were on the main channel? As a longtime viewer of your videos, I would have watched these videos on your main channel. It would have made sense to me. But then again, I love what you guys do. I'm just trying to figure out what the line is, what counts as a main channel video, and what would count as a second channel video for creators without a podcast. Thanks for all your work. This is a
1: question that I see often. Yeah. And when I read it, I turn my head and I look away.
0: <laughs> and I move on. It's another question we've been avoiding. To yeah. whatever's yeah. next, because
1: yeah. it irks me a little bit. If, if There's there's a, there's some truth in it.
0: Yeah, it's a, it was a viable option Especially for Especially in terms yeah. of
1: the amount of mind share I spend thinking about are we doing too much? Should we not have launched the creator support channel? Mm. Would everything actually have been way simpler this year if we just kept it on our main channel?
0: Yeah. I think about it as, you know, I, I oscillate on this one or I did a lot when we first launched, but I do think about, you know, what strategically, how I think about 2023 for us is segmenting our audience. So going like, Last year was about building the, the biggest possible audience. Uh, this year, in the way I think about it, is is segmenting our audience into different intimate groups. Um, and this group that is a part of the creator support audience is very intimate. And I kind of wanted to place them in a different location. Yeah. You know, it's, it's almost like if there's a big, um, you know, a big convention hall and there's almost like a, not a VIP area, but like a a area for members of something else. And you go from like hundred thousand people in a convention hall to to you know a hundred people in a small space. That space is really intimate. And I do think space matters, mm-hmm. like where, where you hang out and what you can post there and what you can do in that environment where there's 100 people is very different than how you want to engage the 100,000 people. And so the intention of the show is to actually have a more intimate connection with people to be able to open up and talk about this type of stuff that applies to, to us and the intimate group that cares about this. And we are seeing it in the analytics of the channel. Like I was showing you, it's well over 50% uh, of our views are coming from subscribers, closer to like 80% of the views are coming from subscribers on this channel versus on the main channel, which in a given week, if we have a short that pops off or a video that, you know, pops, we can be like sub 10% views from subscribers. It's nice to build something uh, that's
1: not algorithmic or that doesn't, necessarily require totally. the algorithm do it, to do a certain type of work to reach mm-hmm. this crazy amount of audience. Yeah. You know, with this new channel, we have the same RSS feed, yeah. so not too much has changed, hopefully, mm-hmm. for the audio listeners, and now, on the YouTube side, thumbnails are pretty easy. Mm-hmm. The goal here is that if they see your face and my face Mm-mm. at mics, mm-hmm. and they like it, then they'll click. Yeah. It's
0: not as much about, like, did we really grab you totally with the with the yeah. thumbnail i do think this is a conversation that happens more inside creator offices and studios and is more complicated than it needs to be and i call this second channel syndrome we i called it right that called it that right when we launched i wrote a uh, linkedin post about it just like this this syndrome that you have where you're like the main channel has become this thing in my mind it's become this monster this beast in my mind and I kind of need a separate space away from it, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's, that's just what happens. Like, I think if these were on the main channel, um, I would have a different relationship with the viewership number. With the performance. Yeah. yeah. And what's nice is I I have just incredible gratitude for the people who listen and watch this show. You know, like I, I just look at it and I'm like, wow, that's incredible. But if it was on the main channel, I would have a different re- relationship with it. I would be trying to figure out ways to optimize it and get more viewership and Mm -hmm. figure out what we need to do to build it to, you know, at least a hundred thousand people listening to every episode. No shot. I'm putting a snorkel on, on the main channel, 50 minutes into a video on the main channel. People were upset with me about that. Yeah. That, that I didn't, you didn't really, uh, I I didn't really react to it. I I didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You were too worried about, was this strategically the right move?
0: No, I was just kind of like, you didn't like it. I don't know. It's fine. You don't have to, yeah, like, yeah. It. Don't have to it like it. You It was like a gag that I was like, huh? "That's pretty good." You didn't but. like. You pretty good. Yeah, I mean, like it's like okay, come on, you know. But you know, maybe all the spirit has been ripped out of me. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know. Maybe I'm yeah, a shell of myself. There's a post in the
1: subreddit that was like, That's "What a, happened that to Samir?" It's like, "Come on, Samir!" Yeah. Like, and it's a screenshot of me yeah. <laughs> with the snorkel. The guy was just like moving forward, and you are just looking elsewhere. You could not have a care in the world about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well that's what happens. Different, you know, that's we're what different happens. people. We are different people. We have, different, we have very different comedy. Extremely different. Really? Dude, sometimes I'll send you like a funny meme and oh. you have no reaction to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're
0: that's very, why you're very crass. I'm not crass, Colin.
1: And, and on the nose, which is why I thought you would have liked the snorkel. It's pretty obvious.
0: It's just like, wow. Is this an insult? Are, are you insulting is your me? comedy. So the snorkel not crass cr- was the snorkel. If I were to
1: open up yeah. TikTok or Instagram mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on your phone, would I not find You'll the find- equivalent of like fart
0: jokes? No. Come on. Mm-mm. This is a bold faced lie. Bold faced lie. I watch things that are objectively funny. Period. Next question. Wow. Come on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Agree to disagree. Okay. So. Uh, There was a situation that happened uh, on Monday of this week where you bought Twitter blue yeah, and then tweeted out like that. It was a trend to watch and, and echoed a conversation that we had about how like platforms are becoming small business software. Yeah.
1: How we pay for Slack, we pay for Adobe, whatever. Yeah. And now, you know, meta verified is 1499 and you pay for increased reach. Twitter blue, you pay for increased reach, the ability to edit but now, like, creators mm-hmm. are going to start to be charged for the services yep. that prior to that, we just made
0: content, Yeah, and that was it. There Great. is a radical difference between you and I, which is I am constantly plugged in to just the general meta. Yeah. And you are can be plugged out sometimes. I'm more of a weekend Rick Rubin. Yeah. You're yeah. out of the meta. Yeah. And over the weekend, you missed that the meta was moving in a direction of, like, buying the blue check was... Like pledging a, allegiance, pledging to allegiance Elon Musk's to army. Elon Musk and his army and his kind of like ideology and just being like, I'm against everyone else. And I'm with this guy. And what I did <laughs> not. So,
1: okay. So I put out this tweet. Yeah.
0: And maybe read the response. I want to read this one that. Well, there was many responses. There was many responses. There was, but, there was many responses that had this same, uh you know, flavor, some worse than others. Yeah. Um, but Let's this, read one of the ones that hurts. Uh, this one's not that bad, but it said, I thought you guys were smarter than this. Still love you guys, but I would like you to defend why it's worth it on the next creator support. I am no great debater, but I think Charlie summed it up perfectly. He posted a moist, critical video where, I mean, the general sentiment of creators is like, don't pay the $8 to this guy. Like he's yeah. ruining the platform, right? His ideology is mm-hmm. messed up. And,
1: and if you pay for the blue check mark, you're sort of pledging that like, yeah. you kind of agree with him. And, and what I did didn't realize, he did some messed up stuff. This is what I didn't realize, yeah. uh, was that over the weekend, I guess he was verifying accounts over a million, some of which were people who were deceased.
0: Yeah, yeah. Chadwick Boseman, Chadwick Boseman, uh, LeBron James, who famously said, I'm not paying eight bucks. And then all of a sudden was verified. And people were making it really clear that they weren't paying the eight bucks. They just, it just happened to be verified. Hassan Piker. Um, so just like- I'll, he's using that as like, Mar- Elon is using that as marketing. Marketing. Essentially like, yeah. for Twitter Blue. Look at all these big creators. They all have Twitter Blue. You yeah. should have it too. I missed miss ma- that Yeah, wave. Timing matters. <laughs> yeah. Timing matters. So Monday uh, posting being like, check out this new trend to watch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> these blue checks, where, where they're going to be everywhere. Everyone pay eight bucks. Was very much- the antithesis to the general conversation. I think what yeah. people would have expected of us. Um, yeah. And so yeah, there was a lot of like, why'd you do this? So I, I do think it's important to be like, because I'll sit I'll here say and why. say I did it. I I defend that I agree that that we should pay for it, and not because I agree. Like I probably would have done it in silence. <laughs> and, yeah, I didn't. I just and,
1: thought this is an interesting. Thing that's happening in the creator yeah. economy right now, $8 a month. I'm interested in paying for it mm. and seeing what it's actually like to have that type of transactional
0: relationship to a platform.
1: Yeah. Do I feel like we actually do have increased reach? Yeah. What's it like to edit Yeah. Does a anything
0: actually change? Yeah. Yeah. It, it'd be really interesting. Do we pay for meta verified? No, I'd be really interested to, to experiment with that and be like, does that actually change? I, you know, I do think we are running a business. So, you know, the reality is if that is a, honest reality that eight bucks a month creates increased reach. That's, that's the only reason I will defend why we would pay for it. Of course we'll pay for it. Right. We run a business that's based on our content reaching people. Yeah. So if we're at a point where without $8 a month, our content won't reach as many people, then that's a nominal fee for us to pay as a business. Um, You know, I, I, it's unfortunate that it represents like, pledging allegiance to, to someone's ideology. Um, cause yeah. I don't want it to carry that much weight anymore. Like I, it's amazing that he made this thing carry so much weight. Um, like the blue chat carries so much weight in a different direction of just like your notable person. Is it, is it right that John and Hank green have left Twitter? I think John green definitely has left Twitter. Yeah. I think they said that for sure, but I don't know so, if they actually, cause Hank is very much on Twitter. Yeah. Like I've read many. Okay. Of Hank's so maybe tweets. it was just yeah. John. Yeah.
1: Um, But I wonder, for you and I, this is such a unique scenario where, you know, the head of a platform is a public figure who Mm. is also a bit controversial. Yeah. What would he do that would make us stop posting on Twitter? And if that happened on YouTube, what would Neil Mohan have to do that would make us stop posting on YouTube? Is there, is there something egregious? Yeah. But I, uh, yeah, maybe I'm. But like, would we shut down our business. If it was yeah, YouTube, that's hard. That's hard. Like imagine truly if
0: Neil Mohan did something, that would be really hard. Cause that's it's our entire business. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it would have to be like, yeah, that's, that's hard. I mean, like it would be impractical for us to mm-hmm. do that at this moment. Um, so I don't know, I don't know what would have to be done, but that it is a very confusing thing now that like you can have a public figure who's divisive running a platform and making moves like making changes quickly and, and then your backing of those moves or your participation in that move suggests your backing of this individual which is really a very strange thing to 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 move towards you know like that i don't yeah i don't know yeah. like that like i, I mean if adam Masary does something strange like i don't feel like it carries as much weight as elon musk You know, Elon Musk is such a polarizing figure that it's different right now. So I think that's that like pledge of like, I'm with this guy is, uh, is very significant on Twitter comparatively. Mm -hmm. If Neil Mohan did something, I think it'd it'd feel different. It Mm -hmm. wouldn't feel as, I think another difference is publicly traded versus privately held companies. Oh, a a publicly traded company like YouTube is so different than a private company that mm-hmm. Elon can do stuff without like board approved. Like he can just yeah. kind of do whatever. Mm-hmm. Whereas in another setting, like they're if, worrying if, about the stock price dipping. If Neil and Mohan did something, yeah, it would impact the stock price. He would yeah. be removed. They would put someone else in. They'd make a statement. Like yeah. Elon's just tweeting at people, crazy things. And it's just like, yeah, it's in the best interest
1: of most of these publicly traded platforms for the person at the helm to be almost invisible. Yeah. And sure. if they are visible, like Adam Aseri, it's to be very down
0: the middle and mild. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Elon, did you see that, that Grimes thing? That Grimes will give you 50% royalty to make a song with her AI-generated voice? Yeah, pretty interesting. Getting ahead of what happened with Drake, basically. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's wild. That'd be like, uh, like I mean, the, one of the craziest things I've seen on the internet is the Joe Rogan AI experience one of the craziest things. Yeah. It's a YouTube channel that is AI generated versions of the Joe Rogan podcast. There's an episode with him and Sam Altman, who's the founder of OpenAI. Mm-hmm. And I clicked on it and I started listening and I was like, whoa, this is crazy. This really sounds like Joe Rogan and Sam Altman. And then Joe Rogan asks him a question about how chat GPT works. And then I just started listening. And I was just like, now I'm just listening to this podcast. And it's actually like good information. Yeah. Does this matter that it's AI generated? And I think what Grimes is suggesting is like, that world is coming really fast. So why not just ride the wave and be like, my voice is now open. Mm-hmm. Use my voice and I'll take 50%. Yeah. And the you best know?
1: stuff will rise to the top. Best stuff will rise to the top. Potentially people start creating with it on TikTok. It becomes that's a crazy. trending song.
0: That's right? crazy. That'd There's like,
1: royalties to be had there. And the stuff that's not good, she's I guess, Uh, not concerned about, like, brand risk. It just won't be seen, won't be heard.
0: I think maybe what she knows is there's no choice. There's no choice. It's coming no matter what. There's no choice. Like, look at what happened with with Drake in The weekend, right? Like, he doesn't have a choice if that's made. So, if you have no choice— Doesn't have a choice right now, you would hope uh, that at some point they're— Yeah. I mean,
1: obviously, artists, a lot of artists and record companies really are trying to figure that out.
0: If people start taking our voice, you know, and making podcast episodes with other people, like— like what happened with like the Joe Rogan AI experience and th- like I don't know it's like what's gonna happen you know it's gonna be so strange it's gonna be like Colin and Samir <sighs> yeah. and The weekend, which would be cool you know I don't know if that I, would ever happen I guess That's, if, uh, maybe if, I'm being if, presumptuous here yeah, that I mean would maybe if there that. were
1: safeguards around what AI version of me could say right I might be more okay with that yeah but it would have to be pretty regulated
0: yeah okay uh, question from Drew Little too. In terms of how the pod has changed since you guys started doing video, I think the major thing is that you've niched the format and no longer discussed the BTS of you guys trying to build your channel, find your voice, start a business, et cetera. Sometimes I mourn that loss, but I also think creator support is such a valuable thing for the community as a whole that it's probably worth the trade-off. Hmm. Interesting. Um, this is something I thought about a lot when we added video to creator support the dynamic changes completely. I'm so incredibly aware of this camera that's right in front of me, right? Like I'm so incredibly aware, not only of the camera, but what it suggests that it's going to go on YouTube, Mm -hmm. you know? And that changes the way that I speak. It's much easier for it to be clipped, to be shared. Yeah. To spread across the internet. Yeah. And when it was audio only, it's like there's just such a different relationship. Um, And I did feel more open. I did feel like, I could talk more about things that I was thinking, things that, I, that were personal to me and weren't necessarily um, about the audience. Mm-hmm. But when I come onto YouTube, I feel so, so much pressure in the fact that you clicked on this video to get value. And I want to make sure you get value. Whereas for myself as a podcast consumer, when I click on a podcast I am so incredibly relaxed with the decision I just made. I'm not one foot out the door. It takes me so much to get move away from a podcast. Mm -hmm. Like it has to be so uninteresting for me to be like, I'm now done listening to this and I'm going to move to something else. If I click on a podcast episode on Spotify or Apple Pods, I'm listening to that podcast.
1: I think that's valid criticism though. Yeah, agreed. Um, Whether we're uploading to YouTube now or not. Yeah, I agree. And specifically because you and I really enjoy talking about the behind the scenes of the business. Yeah. That was why we enjoyed doing this podcast when no one was listening at all. That's true. Yeah. So I think we have to respect that, that we like doing that Mm -hmm. um, and not worry about is it delivering fully on creator support, answering questions every time.
0: Totally. Yeah. I agree. I think um, it's really good to hear this feedback from the audience. You know, like I think, I think that is one thing that YouTube has opened up is that you can comment directly here now. You can um, tweet at us. There's a lot more people now who can Mm -hmm. give us feedback on what this show should be. We always talk about, like, as creators, we're building our content with our audience, not for our audience. Um, And so these questions or these these even topics that we've kind of been, like, reading but not addressing head on, Mm -hmm. even reading these out loud now, I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's really good to hear this from the audience and recognize, like, I do want to talk more about what's happening here, like the behind the scenes of how we're moving, Mm -hmm. what we're planning on doing this year.
1: I'll also acknowledge that before video and even before 2022, Mm. when our YouTube channel popped off, we were doing a lot of really weird, interesting, strange things to make creativity a career that were pretty fun to talk about and unique on our podcast. Like we pitched a show to Justin Bieber. That's true. That is an episode. That's an episode of our, our audio show. our
0: audio podcast.
1: That, that you is so bizarre and yeah. unique.
0: Yeah. You know, it's weird. We're I was, not
1: doing weird stuff like that yeah. as much anymore that's because we're much more in a system now. Ah, that's true. That's true. You know? Yeah, we were um, flying to go put on an event with Yes Theory and Will
0: Smith. Like, sure. there, there were just... There was. We, there we were, doing were more bizarre things bizarre happening. Things. Yeah, pitching a show to Justin Bieber was one of the strangest life experiences. I was thinking about that the other day. Like we were in a room with four people, and one of them was Justin Bieber. Yeah, and we were looking at him in the eyes, pitching him a show. Like that was such a strange mm-hmm. experience. You're seated right next to me. It was such a strange experience. Like uh, reflecting on that, I was like, "What an odd life experience that mm-hmm. was." Um, yeah, I agree. I think that that all comes back to this concept of like risk, right? Oh, that was an incredible risk. We spent, we spent money creating a sizzle reel for that show. We yeah. spent time creating a deck. We spent weeks of our life on this pitch. We went to go pitch it to him. He liked it, but nothing ever came of it, right? Yeah. There was no reward for that risk outside of, you know, the cool opportunity. It will forever it just, just cool. be a story. And we learned from it. Yeah. We learned from it. But now to do that for a couple of weeks, would we just have such major implications on the business. Yeah. You know, and that is such an interesting thing of like the zero to one of building something is so much more, you know, twists and turns Mm -hmm. and like just, whoa, that's crazy. Like this connects to that and this connects to that. Whereas the one to 10 is like, this needs to build on top of that, which needs to build on top of that. And again, maybe we just haven't experienced it in the way that other people do where you can be innovative and creative within a system. Yeah. But it is very unfamiliar to us. Like this is unfamiliar territory. We've typically been in those zero to one spaces where we yeah. take something, we build it, and then you know our first company, we sold it. We take something, we build it, and then, you know we do something completely different after. Yeah, um, this is the first time that we're in a one to ten that's fully run by you and I. Yeah, uh, it's super interesting. So, yeah. This is good. This is a good reminder to be creative. So, guys, keep, keep, yeah, yeah, keep, creative. Like, like, keep these keep these coming. You yeah. know, I like I like the criticism. Yeah. I like uh, these questions. You know, there was another one that that you know asked: Is the Colin and Samir second channel better than the CNS main channel? The answer is yes. CNS take more risks on the second channel and more open and authentic, which raises the question: Why do second channels oftentimes seem better than main channels? We kind of answered that. Yeah, already. We ran into that. Um, just saying, this is a strange creative quirk on YouTube. I agree with that. It is strange. Um, but it's the plight of like building a creative business. It just is. So good reminder from all of you. Uh, there is a question as well from Raghav Malhotra, who says, How many subs does this channel need to get for Samir to shave his beard? Now I just want to be clear. I haven't shaved this beard off since twenty seventeen. I don't think I'll even recognize you. Since twenty seventeen. That was the last time I shaved it off. Like fully. My skin has not seen the sun. My face skin. I don't even know what it's going to look like. So how many prob- subscribers does the creator support channel need 50, to get? 50,000.
1: 50,000.
0: 50, That's
1: all, guys. Not so much to ask. It feels pretty attainable. Uh, yeah. Maybe not like in a short window, but well, it feels I also, attainable.
0: I also, because like Raghav asking this question, I'm like, I should probably air out my skin. Probably, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I been, yeah. I think it's time to get a refresh. It's been, uh, it, we're, we're nearing like seven years of not shaving this beard yeah. off. So your chin hasn't seen the sun. No. In seven years. In seven years. Does that mean we're in
1: the deep end that we're now talking about how much sunlight your chin has gotten?
0: <laughs> are we there? Guys, this is why this show can't go <laughs> on the main channel. Because <laughs> we're we're talking yeah. about how my chin hasn't seen the light of day, you know? Yeah. So, so we are in the deep end. Deep, deep, okay, deep, 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 deep in the deep end. Good, Colin. good, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great. Deep, 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 deep. Um, okay, cool. There is a... Uh, uh, question from you slash burrito planet on the subreddit. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That's a deep end related question. Um, Who's talking about the fact that we are launching our um, discord. Yeah. And that discord is going to be launched uh, very soon. Actually. I'm super excited for that. Mm -hmm. It's another example of like my desire this year and our kind of strategic um, desire is to Curate more intimate environments for our community, right? Mm-hmm. So, creator support channel, more intimate environment. Now, how do we take that a step further? Well, let's build an environment where we can actually hang out and chat mm-hmm. and talk, and that's going to be a Discord. Um, so, the question is that what we found out is there's there's already a Colin and Samir Discord. It's closed. It's for you know fans of 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 the show, um, and it's a very like intimate a group of 70 members uh, that seems really cool, but they're not letting anyone else in.
1: Yeah, as of right now, they're not even interested in more people joining that Discord. Yeah,
0: but it's because they want it to be intimate. Because they want it to remain intimate. Um, And we met some of them at VidSummit who actually met each other and traveled to VidSummit together, which is so cool. Mm -hmm. But their question is, what do they now call their Discord server? Because that's currently called Colin and Samir. So some ideas,
1: you know, might be nice. Yeah, I would say if you're listening or you're watching. Yeah comment and idea mm-hmm. for what they could change the name of their discord to, because our discord will be the Colin and Samir. Sure. Discord.
0: Yeah. Could be the deep end, you know, who knows? Could be, uh, Samir's beard. Could be, yeah. The uh, the beardies. Yeah, sure. Could be unofficial Colin and Samir. could be anything guys. I just think it's cool that you have it. Yeah. That's cool. And for everyone who, who wants to join that one, but can not join that one, we are launching one, very soon. That yeah. link, we'll, we'll let you know immediately here on Creator Sport once it's live. Uh, there'll be a link to it, and uh, we are working very hard with our with our mods right now, the Mod Squad, on working on the channels, getting it all set up. Mm-hmm. Um, very excited about that. So, thank you for asking these questions. This was a really, actually, fun and, and illuminating episode yep. um, to talk about um, some of the stuff that we've been thinking about. There is more content coming to the main channel now, and we, you know, expect us to experiment there. Before we go, any gripes from you? Yeah, I do. Really? So, you know, when you take a group photo and it's a pretty large group and someone uses the wide angle camera to shoot this photo, I always try and fight for a middle spot in the group photo because I don't want to be warped. I don't want to be immortalized as a distorted guy. Okay. But somehow, some way, I always end up on the edge. At the end of the group with my hand like this, one shoulder is massive. My face is stretched. I'm in this wide angle warp. It's just a gripe that like, I shouldn't have to fight for the middle spot. You don't really give me fringe of the
1: photo energy. I know, Uh, but I expect you to be a guy who fights his way to the middle. I've been ending up on the fringes. You're the the first guy to lay down in front. I know, but then and put his hands up. and then everyone's like, "Oh, okay, all right, I guess." By the way, I'm yeah, all- not that guy. Ah, come you don't on. know me, man. You have that
0: energy. Yeah, I have that energy, but I don't do okay, that at okay. 33 years old. But you old. can accept you do have that, energy. man. Yeah, but um, so it surprises me that you would. Accept I end up on the, the edge of the wide angle, and yeah. I'm just warped. And now, when I look back in time, people will be like, "What was up with that guy's shoulder? Was it why was, why so was, so was his left shoulder so much bigger than his right shoulder?" Mm. Thanks for listening to this episode of Creative Support. If you guys have questions, you can put them here in the comments. You can tweet them at us. You can put them in the subreddit and soon you'll be able to pop them into our Discord server. All right, we'll see you next week.